thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. One prayer we need to all know is that prayer of repentance, where we say sorry to God. It sounds like there's a party going on upstairs, doesn't it? But never mind. Well, there was a famous wise man once said, a man who is wrong and says sorry is known as honest. A man who is angry and says sorry to defuse the situation is known as wise. And a man who says sorry, even though he's right, is known as a husband. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Sex, I'm so sorry. Say sorry a lot. In this series we're doing Let Us Pray, we are looking at these various prayers, how we can use them ourselves and pray them and use them to help. Because often people say, I don't know what to pray. You're talking to a friend. You're talking to the God who is God of the universe and God of all things and who is the righteous judge. Yet actually he is our friend and we can draw near to him. And we're looking at different ways we can pray in different situations. We started with Jabez who prayed for himself. Who struggles to pray for themselves? Might have a list for other people. We pray for ourselves. There's nothing wrong. God wants us to pray for ourselves as well. Last week we looked at Hannah and the fact that she prayed for a son, but she didn't cling to the things she was praying for. She didn't cling to her longing. She clung to the rock that is Jesus. Because that's the one thing that will never move. That is the one thing that is unshakable. And this week we're going to take a look at a prayer of David. Lots to go at. He wrote a considerable amount of the Psalms, but this prayer is his prayer saying sorry to God. It's a prayer of repentance. The word repentance literally means to turn 180 degrees. So you're facing one way and looking at something that you really like maybe, but then you choose to turn your back on that and look towards God. And God, seek first his kingdom and all things will be added. We keep reaffirming that verse, don't we? But this psalm was written after David has slept with another man's wife and sent her husband to war so that he's killed and thinks he can hide it all away. He thinks he can get away with it. He thinks he can brush it under the carpet. But actually, Nathan, God's prophet, comes and shows him that God knows. You know, we can't hide anything from God. That's not supposed to necessarily scare us. That's supposed to make us know that it doesn't matter. God's heard it all before. We can come to him with our issues, with our problems, with the things we've made mistakes on. And he loves us. He still loves us. Because he loves us. Not because we're good, not because we're great, but because he loves us. And he loves us that much. So David, in Psalm 51, pours out his prayer of repentance. So we're going to look at Psalm 51 if you've got your Bible. If you haven't, get one on your phone. Most people have a smartphone. Smartphones, stupid people, that's what they say, isn't it? Um, I'm terrible for my phone. But smartphones, great, download a Bible, read it, read it again in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then read next week's. If you struggle to read the Bible, read what we've talked about on a Sunday, because that's a good place to start. Psalm 51 has 19 verses. It doesn't take a long time to read. And it's a psalm when Nathan came to him after he'd committed adultery with Bathsheba. 
And it starts with this from verse 1. The words should come up on the screen. There they go. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Just going to stop there. Because even in this prayer, David is coming before God to say sorry, to repent. He's truly, deeply sorry. But it still starts off by recognizing God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to what? Your unfailing love. He acknowledges God, hallowed be his name. Be glorified. First thing he does, even in this prayer of repentance, is he doesn't stay, start crashing in there saying, I'm so sorry. He acknowledges God and his unfailing love. And then he emphasizes what he needs and what he has done. There's three lots of three in these two verses. We could just do a whole morning on these two verses. There's three lots of three. The first three are these three words. Mercy, love, compassion. God's character emphasized three times in this passage. Mercy, love, compassion. Who this morning thinks, I need a bit of that. I need a bit of mercy. I need a bit of love. I need a bit of compassion. You know, God has got a whole lot of mercy, a whole lot of love, and a whole lot of compassion for you and for me. So he starts off three things that is good about God. If you take nothing else this morning, remember that God is merciful. God is loving. God is compassionate. Remember those things. Then, he says, this is what needs to be done, God. Blot. Blot it out. You know, we often went, we've, we've, we've not seen the sun much, have we, in the last two weeks? And often we say, oh, the clouds blotted out the sun. It means you can't see it, doesn't it? So David says, blot it out. The things I've done wrong, the mistakes I've made, even though they're terrible, David has committed adultery with another man's wife and then had him killed, effectively, then lied about it. And he says, blot it out, God. Get rid of it. Remove it from your sight. Wash. Who's had a wash this morning? Yeah, so long as you sat on the front row, that's good. Adam, I'm glad to hear it. You can sit further forwards if you've had a wash. I've told you. It's fine, it's fine. Blot it out. Wash. The Daz Doorstep Challenge. Who's old enough to remember the Daz Doorstep Challenge? Yeah, okay, Simon asked your mum and dad about it. They'll remember. And Dolly Tubbs and things like that. That's right, Jeff, yeah? Okay. Wash out, wash it, wash it away. The Daz Doorstep Challenge was guaranteed to make your whites whiter than white. Do you know, God goes further. He goes further. Wash me white as snow. Wash away all my iniquity. And then the three words that need dealing with, that David needs dealing with, transgressions. Transgressions is when you've gone against something. Do we ever go against anything? Go against the rules? Yeah, Dan, don't shake your head. Go against things. Do we go against things? Do we go against the rules? Do we go against what God says is best for us? That's a transgression. Iniquity. They all mean the same thing. Sin. The mistakes we've made. So David says these three things. God, you're merciful, you're loving, you're compassionate. Say it after me. Merciful, loving, and compassionate. God, I want you to do these three things for me. Blot it, wash it, and Cleanse it. Blot it, wash it, cleanse it. And then he says, what? What do you want blotting, washing, and cleansing? He says, my transgressions when I've gone against you. My iniquities when I've gone against you. My sin because I've gone against you. 
Someone asked me this week, Tabby, didn't you? Is God ever disappointed in us? I don't think God is disappointed in us. He's disappointed in what we do. Because God is love. And he loves us. You think of the father in the prodigal son story that you might know. He wasn't disappointed in the son. He was just disappointed in the things that went on. Because God can't stand sin. He loves you. He can't stand sin. He loves you. Three characteristics of God, three things that God only can do, and three descriptions of the mess he's in. David, I think in this situation, is truly sorry, isn't it? Okay? You know, youth, guys, you know, when your mum or your wife's cross with you, then make sure you've got three things, three things that are really good about her, three things that she can do, and three things that you want her to sort out, okay? You know, that's definitely going to get you in the... It's definitely a real sorry, isn't it? It's not just, sorry, sorry. Who's got little children? You, say, you have to tell them sometimes to say sorry, don't you? And is it said with a real sensitivity and sincerity? No. It's a, I'm sorry. Because if I don't say it, I'm not going to get to go back on the PlayStation. Or if I don't say it, I'm not going get to get to go out and play. You know, God isn't asking for a begrudging sorry. God says, come to me and I'll throw my arms open wide because I love you. Just come to me, repent, turn away from that thing that has messed your life up and turn to me that will build your life up. That's what God can do and only he can do. You know, this isn't a begrudging sorry. This is serious recognition of mistakes made and the one who can put it right. You know, when I went to junior school, we had to write in pencil. No jokes about chalk and slate. I'm not that old, okay? <laughs> we had to write in pencil. And when I made a mistake, I got a, an eraser for the Americans amongst us, an eraser, um, and I would rub out my mistake. But because I wrote and pressed so hard, you could still usually see the mistake I'd made. It wasn't perfect. Then I got to secondary school, and we were privileged to write with, you had to write fountain pens. Anyone else have that one? Yeah, fountain pens, which for me, who is a bit cack-handed, wasn't good. Because I would write with my arm leaning on the page and I would smear the ink as I went, which wasn't good at all. But when I made a mistake in there, I either scribbled it out, which didn't look good, or Tipex. What an amazing adventure. Sometimes it's called Snowpake. Who called it Snowpake? Yeah, was that a brand name? But I don't know, Tipex, liquid paper. And you got your liquid paper and you painted it across the mistake. Could you still see there was a mistake? Yeah, because it wasn't really liquid paper at all. And on my page, I made that many mistakes, it built up to quite a pile on the page. So I'd make mistake on top of mistake on top of mistakes. And the liquid paper was my, the thing that I could always try, but you could still see. You know, I loved the first day of term when you got the new exercise books. Yeah? New exercise books. But before long, mine would be a little bit tatty. Through teachers laughing in the room, yeah? A little bit tatty. A little bit marked. Somebody had written on the back something horrible about me, probably. Or, you know, somebody written, you know, JJH loves such and such. I went to an all-boys school, so that didn't happen. Um, but actually, new books got tattered and marked. The only way you could actually get back to that situation was a totally new book, wasn't it? And that's what God promises you this morning. To blot out, to cleanse, to wash your mistake. And says, move forward. Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery, everyone else was judging and condemning her. And he says, I don't condemn you. But go and sin no more. <laughs> go away from this and try not to do it again. Don't do it again. Follow me. Follow me. I know what's best. 
great inventions made, but none of them ever got rid of our mistakes. God chooses to totally obliterate the mistakes we've made. They were obliterated on the cross of Jesus. They were obliterated as his arms were stretched out wide and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. He said that to the people gambling for his clothes. He said that for the people whipping him and hitting him. But he says it for you and me. Father, forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. God can wash away all. Do we ever pray this way? Have we ever come to God in all seriousness and gone, God, I'm so sorry. God, I choose to turn from that thing that has ruled my life. I choose to turn from the thing that has controlled me and held me captive. And I turn and choose your freedom because you break the chains. That thing over there that you're facing at the minute, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be debt, it could be a relationship, it could be anything it could be your job it could be your money it could be anything it could be sex it could be porn it could be addiction God says turn your back on that and turn towards me and I can set you free because I can wash that away I can obliterate the past and nobody even me will choose to remember it it's gone do we pray that way because we can Jesus has taken the punishment have we ever prayed this prayer over others who have hurt us God, I pray forgiveness for them. I pray that there'll be true repentance because a world where those people who've hurt us are forgiven is surely a better world, isn't it? Yeah? Don't hold grudges against people who've hurt you because a world where they are forgiven and free is a better world than them still being trapped by you and your unforgiveness. Verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. This is David carrying on. Do you need reminding of the mistakes you've made? Anyone? Do you know know that you've made mistakes? If I put a microphone in front of your face now, would you be willing to tell us? No. But my mistakes are every... I don't need anybody to tell me when I've gone wrong. Because it's all up here. I know. I know I've gone wrong. You might not know when I've gone wrong. But I know, and David says, I know my transgressions. I know my mistakes. I know my shortcomings. Why? Because my sin is always before me. We don't need a reminder, but we do need to acknowledge it before God. Because if we know what we've done, God knows. And he says, come on, I want to give you a wash. How many of us have had kids, that, or even a pet dog, for those who haven't got kids, or a cat? I don't think they need it. But we've got filthy, dirty. What's the first thing you want to do? Chuck him in the bath. Yeah? God's a good father. The first thing he wants to do with us is chuck us in his bath and wash us whiter than snow. He doesn't want to leave us sitting in our mess. He doesn't want to leave us sitting in the the problems we've created for ourselves. He wants to wash us down. So we need to acknowledge before God. Why? Because they're always ready to jump out and nudge us anyway. Bring it to him. Get on our knees and give it to him. Verse 4 to 6. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. That's encouraging, Courtney, isn't it, for Caleb? You taught me wisdom in that secret place. You know, God is involved from the minute 
from the minute before we're born. You know, we've all been excited to see baby Caleb and, and, and baby Ezra and, and any other babies that have come that I've forgotten about. All the, all the babies are available. God is involved in our lives from the minute because he knows us. He knew us before we were created. It says in his word, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb you taught me wisdom. You know, David's cry is knowing that what we do is against God. You know, when, what's David done here? What's he done? He's slept with another man's wife. He's had that, her husband effectively murdered. And then he's lied about it. Three things. If you came this morning and said to me, Johnny, I've been with another man's wife this week, I've had her husband murdered, and I've lied about it, I would be a bit shocked, I have to say. But I'd be mostly shocked that you'd come and told me, in fairness. I'd be mostly shocked that you'd come and told me. But David's cry in this passage is knowing that what we do, David's cry wasn't against Bathsheba. It wasn't about Bathsheba. It says, I know that it's hurt you, God. Because when we make mistakes, it hammers another nail almost into Jesus' hands. It puts another thorn on that crown. As Jesus says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. David has hurt people. He's caused misery. He's caused death. He's lied. He's covered up. He's hidden stuff. He's taken what isn't his. But when we mess up, it's against God. We deal with it between us and God. Then we can move on and deal with it with the other people. But the first thing we have to get right this morning is to deal with our problem before God. Because he knows better than you do. And he loves you more than you could ever be loved. And do you know what? Guess what? God forgives. God says, I'm going to blot it out. I'm going to obliterate it. Not so that others will pee. There might be, there might be uh, scars from your experience, but only God and you will know. Because you say, God, I've hurt you. I've sinned against heaven and against man. What does God want in return? We learn this from David's prayer. God wants faithfulness. Are we faithful? Faithful to him? God wants commitment. He wants real Christianity, sticking power, perseverance. David acknowledges God, acknowledges his problem. He acknowledges his need for forgiveness. And he acknowledges that God wants faithfulness. Let's carry on reading. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. But, you, know, you can even rejoice with crushed bones because our hope is in God, not in our situation. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity, creating me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are my God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Is that a prayer you ever pray? Open my lips, Lord and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. If you've been to Jeff's course on a Thursday, you'd think he does. They were designed as a deterrent. Didn't work very well. 
because people kept on going. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Cleanse me with hyssop. Have you heard of hyssop before? Yeah? Where have you heard of hyssop before? No? No? Hyssop? No? Okay. Moses? Israelites? Hyssop? What was it used for? Come on, Jeff. It was to paint the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. The hyssop was a bushy plant that soaked up the blood. Perfect plant. It grew quite wild. And they would use it as a paintbrush. And they used it to paint the blood of the lamb that was spotless on the door frames. It was used in purification. And David says, cleanse me with hyssop. This isn't Jesus around. Jesus hasn't died yet. Jesus hasn't been yet. But he says, wash me whiter than snow. How's it going to happen? How am I going to be made right? How am I going to be purified? Through the blood of the lamb. Through the blood of the lamb. Through the blood of the lamb. Wash me whiter than snow. You know, the words there, we think of snow. We had a bit of snow this week. You might think of the slush that turns brown and muddy and horrible, yeah? But if you look through the Bible, when it uses that word, it's actually used because they can't describe how white it is. They can't describe anything that's, that comes close to the whiteness. It's used to describe Jesus' hair and face in Revelation and Daniel. This white as snow. It's a picture of holiness. It's indescribable. Can I ask you this morning, do you think God couldn't possibly love you? Do you think you've gone too far? God couldn't possibly love you. David is proof that he can. David is proof that he does. And Jesus is proof that he definitely does. Because he gave everything to save us. God loved David, and David knew God was willing to restore us to more than we before. As we read that passage, it says, creating me a new heart, creating me a pure heart. Have you ever had to renew something? Anyone renewed their passport recently? Yeah? Anyone excited about renewing their passport soon? Because you'll get a blue passport. You won't be able to travel freely through 30 countries or live there or work there, but you'll get a blue passport. It's okay. Worth voting for a blue passport. I'm not going to get political this morning. Renew passport. It's good when you get a new passport, isn't it? Because it's brand new. You've been able to change the photograph. I remember as a 21-year-old, I think I still had a picture of me as a 14-year-old. It wasn't good. And whenever I passed it across to the people on Border Patrol, they would just look at me and grin as if to go, <laughs> that you, really? And actually, renewed passport is amazing. You get that really nice feel of clean pages, and it's just all, it feels good, doesn't it? Just like those new exercise books. Because when something is renewed, it's clean. It's not embarrassing anymore. And the Bible tells us we can be a new creation. No more in condemnation. No longer being condemned. But instead, new. God can make it new. A clean book. And you know, a passport has a seal of approval from the Queen, doesn't it? Do you know this morning you can be made new and have a seal of approval from the King? A seal of approval from the King. 
because he loves you and says you're worth it. David prays for newness, and what's God's response when David, the murderer, the liar, the adulterer, what's God's response to him? Yes. 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 I forgive you. It says, restore the joy of salvation. I've been married for 24 years this year. You might think that's well old. I obviously got married when I was very, very young. 24 years, but I will never forget the first time I kissed my wife. Okay, she might have done, but I'll never forget the first time I got a letter off her. The time when I, in those days, you had to wait for a phone call. You couldn't just have text. You had to wait for a phone call. And I can remember those evenings thinking, come on, ring, ring. And we'd spend, oh, ages on the phone saying absolutely nothing. Other than, oh, I love you. What have you done today? I love you. Because it was new. It was fresh. It was restored. Often people talk of a honeymoon period in a marriage where everything is just wow. You'll do anything for each other, won't you? Yeah? What happens? <laughs> You'll do anything for each other. You make a huge impression. You know, I'd spend ages doing my hair. I did have it then, in fairness. Katie once ran in our house and saw my wedding pictures and said, Auntie Ros, whose hair is Uncle Johnny wearing? <laughs> it was mine, honest. I was, I was, you know, I, I was quite precious about my hair. That probably is why I'm like I am now. Everything's just while you'll do anything for each other. You make a huge effort. You make a huge effort with your makeup. That's right, Stephen. It makeup, yeah. A huge effort with your makeup. <laughs> And you want to create the best first impression, even if it's the second, third, fourth date, you want to just look the best. Yeah? You agree? But then 24 years in, sometimes you, you start to take it for granted. And actually, we shouldn't, because the Bible regularly says, remember your first love. It's not talking about our partners, he's talking about Jesus. If you've given your life to Jesus, he's your first love. Do you remember that moment you realized that you could have all the riches of God and you went, yes, God, I'm with you. And then familiarity perhaps creeps in or we make it routine or we just go through the motions or we get comfortable and we think there's no need to try now. I've got what I wanted. There's no need to try now. I've got what I wanted. God isn't like that because his mercies are new every morning. He doesn't stop making an effort for you. <laughs> so let's not stop making an effort for him. If you're a Christian this morning, do not lose your first love. Ask daily for God to restore the joy of your salvation. That's David's prayer. Restore that first love. Restore the joy that I had. And God says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Restore the joy. Who's going to give joy? God. If you're looking for happiness in other stuff, you might find temporary happiness. But the only place you'll find joy is in God. The only place you'll find joy is in God. The only way I can stand there this morning and talk to you is because of God. Because of God. But God is the one who is our strength. So do we ask daily for God to restore the joy of the salvation? Do we spend time every day at his feet? Do we spend time actually saying, God, I'm going to go the extra mile for the one I love? Do we talk about Jesus? Or do we just think, hour and a half on a Sunday morning, that'll do fine. Because is that enough? Is that the faithfulness that God requires? Is that the commitment? The joy of knowing who God is and what he's doing in our lives. As I finish, 
And I will do finally. Tim said two finallys in the notice. Did you notice? Yeah, okay. He said finally this, and then he said finally another. I'm hoping this is my finally, okay? So you can wake up. There's one bit that says this. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Have you ever asked God to help you praise him? It's not going to become easy in difficult times. It's not going to come easy because it's a choice we make. We can focus on the negative. We can focus on the difficulty or we can say, God, you are a good God because God has prepared. You know, this morning he wants us to lift him higher. So why won't he give us the strength to open up our mouths? So this morning, if you're struggling to sing, before we start worshiping again, say, God, give me the strength to open my lips and praise your name. Why should I do that? Because he's good all the time and he's worthy of my praise and he's with me he's with me and he loves me so what do i learn about david's prayer repetition is okay to repeat the same thing is okay even if you say it in a different way god loves it he's a god who creates anew and restores afresh he's got all the ingredients you know hello fresh anyone use hello fresh Anyone seen adverts? You use HelloFresh, okay? My sister does this. It's where you, they send you all the ingredients and a recipe to make a meal, yeah? Is that right? And you make new things. HelloFresh is great because it gives you all the ingredients you need to make a nice meal. And you might try new things. Do you know, this passage tells me that he creates a fresh and new heart in you. HelloFresh isn't it all. God has all the ingredients for us to make our lives new. Well, this passage tells me we just need to be faithful. We need to be committed. And we need to look to him. Verse 14 says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. When we receive and recognise forgiveness, we won't be able to stop praising. Because we're forgiven. The past is gone. The guilt is gone. The shame is gone. Because he is over it. And he says, I love you. The verse 17 and 16 in the message says this. Going through the motions doesn't please you, God. You going through the motions? Don't. Commit. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned my God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice I'll finish with that do you feel shattered David was he was broken he was humbled but most of all he was willing to say sorry he was willing to turn his back on what was gone and look forward to a hope and a promise of forgiveness I'm going to pray Maybe this morning you've never heard that message. Maybe you don't know. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, but my mistakes are too big, Johnny. Do you know in the Bible, David was described as a man after God's heart. Even though he did all the things he's done. A man after God's heart. I want to encourage you to get back and fall in love with Jesus all over again. And stay in love with Jesus. If you've never asked God into your heart, then there's a simple thing that we give out. If you want one of these in a moment, you can put your hand up and someone will come round. And it just says, God loves us. We've made mistakes. Jesus died for us and what are you going to do about it? And that is a way of saying sorry. 
So if you want one of those, our prayer team will have them. But if you want prayer today, maybe you're a Christian and you feel like it's all gone wrong. I want to encourage you to fall in love with him again. You don't need to be forgiven again. He forgives from the moment you ask for it. But you do need to love him and be faithful. And we need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to start afresh.